Praise God. It's good to be in his house. Isn't it good to be together? Good to gather. We just thank you, Lord God. He's good, isn't he? Isn't he merciful and kind and wonderful? He's gracious to us. Amen. Well, let's get into his word today. Who's ready for his word? You know that the word of God is living. There is life. They're not just words, but it is the word. Everybody say the word. Right? There's lots of words. We were just having a conversation this week about how words matter. Right? Just when you think words, you know, what's the big deal? Some people think they can swear as Christians and it doesn't matter. And if you think that's true, try and tell your spouse, I hate you, and see what happens. If you don't think it matters that you can just swear as a believer, then why not just tell your spouse, I hate you? Because obviously words do matter, right? If they didn't matter, then you could say things like that and it wouldn't matter, but it does. We don't realize. And so the word of God is so powerful. It's much more than we get. They're not just words, but it is living. There is power attached to it, just as there is power attached to the word love and the word hate, right? They're just words, but when they are used, when you use them, right, there's power attached to them, and the word of God is the same. So I thank you, Lord, that this word is your word, and that you're going to grow us and shape us and change us with it in Jesus' name. Well, I just want to say this, that God placed Jesus in the womb of Mary, right? We're about to celebrate Christmas as his body, and Jesus was placed supernaturally in the womb. And Mary gave birth to God in a human body. He was God fully. He actually defied mathematics, right? He was 100% human because he was a man, but he was 100% God. You know, there's no such thing as 100 and 100, right? It doesn't work like that in the natural, but he defied the natural. He was God supernaturally placed inside of a human, born as a human, and Jesus was later filled with the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus left the earth in the physical, he transferred, everybody say he transferred, he transferred his nature and his power and his life into the disciples. He breathed on them just as God breathed into Adam. And just as Adam became a living being, Jesus took our dead flesh, that clay, that's all that they were, and he breathed life into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then they were instructed, go into all the world and to transfer into us what was transferred into them. And so there was this great transfer. This is part two, really kind of like part 2.5, because I began to, I merged from my last sermons two weeks ago into this kind of series that was unexpected, the great transfer. And so let's take a look here in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Everybody say, therefore, go. Jesus said, I have the authority, and then told his disciples to go. What was he doing? He was saying, I'm, I've been given the authority, and I'm giving that authority to you. Every, everybody say, he's given, he's 
us his authority. Now, we have all seen things taken out of context, right? Pretty much every single concept in the Bible has been twisted in some shape or form. The thing is, we cannot throw out every single concept that's been twisted just because they've been twisted, um, because we're going to miss ultimately what God has for us. Secondly, we're going to hold back what God has for someone else because he wants to do something through you. And don't be surprised that it's been twisted because the devil came and he spoke the word to Eve. He twisted what God said. That's what he does. He takes God's word and he twists it. He did the same thing with Jesus in the three, uh, three temptations of Christ, and he twisted God's word. That's what he does. He's a twister. He takes God's word, and he puts his own spin on it, and it does not change the fact that he actually is speaking truth. He's just not giving you the whole truth. He's taking truths out of context and trying to put his authority behind it, and Jesus conquered word with word. And that's what you must do. You must hear the word of God and, and say, okay, Lord, I hear this scripture so that I can understand what it means, what else. That's what Jesus did. Jesus combated word with word. And when Jesus spoke, he took the words that Satan said, and he corrected them. Everybody say, he corrected them. He didn't say that you're not speaking the word of God. Jesus just took the words that Satan said and put them into the proper uh, um, direction. He corrected them so that they were aligned with God's word. And, in for, and for Jesus' sake, mostly what was happening was Satan was trying to get Jesus to use his power and his authority for self. And what Jesus did is put everything back on the Lord. It's all for his glory. It's all in his time, and it's in his way. Amen? That's, that's the gist of it. I'm not going to get deeper into there today. But I want us to see that sometimes we hear a concept, as soon as we hear things like authority, you know, your mind already has this whole concept of maybe things you've heard, things you've been taught. But the Bible says here, Jesus said, I've been given authority, so go. We are meant to go in his authority, and we're going to break this down, get into this today. And he says, make disciples of all nations, verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I just did a little Googling, and then I had to immediately get off because I'm like, I can't do this. You know, it brings me to forums. But I just Googled, how do people argue with the Trinity of God with this verse? You know, and... I literally, people just blatantly say, well, that's what the Bible says, but that's not what it means. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't, I, I don't have time for this. I was just curious what people do. How do you argue against three parts of God when there's this verse? And it, it, it doesn't even matter. It really doesn't. But here's the three parts of God that Jesus, obviously, if he says this, he must, it must matter. It must matter that we're in the Father, in the Son, in the Holy Spirit. It must matter. Sometimes we think we don't need one part or the other, right? We can just, you know, just uh, have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is not important. Some, a, a lot of Christianity has just kind of annexed the Holy Spirit, which is very weird when he is an integral part of what God said to be baptized into. And it says, verse 20, 
teach these new disciples, that's us, right? Because they were teaching the next generation, you taught the next generation, you taught the next generation, all the way till 2023, and here you are today, still being taught as disciples of Christ to do what? To be good little Christians, or just to accept his grace and say, good, good thing that Jesus went to the cross, so I don't have to, and he did everything, so I don't have to do anything, right? That's what the gospel says. <laughs> he said, teach these disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Wow. That's not a common uh, sermon anymore, is it? Who hears the word obey anymore? Is obey even in the church anymore? Obey. This Jesus, the great commission is make disciples. It did not say just, you know, you, we have the four gospels, so there is a commission that's a little bit different. We can read it in some of the other gospels, right? And we can you can say, well, he just said to to go and preach the gospel, spread the good news, right? Depending on your translation, depending on which gospel. But you have to take them all together. These are each disciple that heard Jesus, what he said. And you can't just say, well, he said this in that gospel, so Matthew 28 is irrelevant. We have to see that he said to make disciples. And what was a disciple to do? What is a disciple? Come on, what is it? A disciple is someone apparently that obeys his commands, and then he reassures us of this which I pray almost every Sunday, I always just give him glory after worship and remind us, I remind myself, I just speak it out, that he's with us, he has not forsaken us. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want us to see today that the Lord is with us and that the Lord is not just uh, looking to take your life and make it better, although he does make it better, doesn't he? The Lord's not looking to maximize your potential, although he does those things. See, we take these concepts, these things that he's done for us, and even good things, and we get weird because we focus on one part and not all the parts, right? I, could, I have some examples in my head, and I'm just going to leave them there. You can talk to me after about the misuse of good things in life and and how we just twist and we can focus and then, right, couples get weird. Couples could focus on good things and not all the practical things, and that gets weird too. So the Lord has given us himself, and the Lord gave uh, his own body on the cross, not just to purchase you to have life on the earth, but he purchased your life. This is a big difference it's a very fine line to think about. He purchased your freedom or he purchased you. Think about this. That's a big difference because we think of being slaves that are set free that then could run and do what we want. But we look at the disciples the way that Jesus led them. I look at the words of Peter calling himself a bondservant, a slave. I look at the life of Paul, really enslaved, literally chained to the gospel. Literally, not just spiritually, but chained to the message. And why, I mean, God and, and all that power, and I just talked recently about in Acts, right, right there at the very end of Acts, you know, he, they end up in Malta, and we have this incredible scenario of, like, people getting... Healed, and the, the serpent, 
you know, bites him and doesn't affect him, but the chains don't come off. So we are purchased, we are freed from our sin and freed from the bondage of this earth and freed, but then we are enslaved, but see, not in a bad way, not in a bad way. See, we think that that's, we think that's bad. Come on, Rick, this is it. <laughs> I didn't plan on talking about this horse here. The harness of the Lord that just kind of just popped up. This story about a horse that wants to be free and wants to do what he wants. And there's these, there are two horses, and uh, it's just a short story that a guy had a vision about some time ago now, 40, 50, 60 years ago, sometime in that frame. And um, basically, uh, one horse wants to be free, wants to do what it wants, and the other horse is brought into captivity and doesn't know what's happening to it. And it's, the reins get put on, and it's in a stall, and it's forced to do what the uh, master says and to go where the master says, and the other horse is able just to wander about and be free, so, so they think. But then when there's a drought and there's tough times and the streams dry up and the grass is dry, the one within the master's care is constantly taken care of because the master cares for it, and the one that was, quote-unquote, free is now starving and thirsty. And so we have been freed by the Lord, but we have been brought into his service. And this is a big difference. It is such a big difference. To say, it's the same words, and yet an entirely different concept, isn't it? We must realize that you were commissioned by Christ to not be just um, your own ministries, I started to say last week, that you could just go out and just be like, well, I'm going to spread the gospel when it works and, and as it works, and occasionally I'll mention the Lord's name. You were meant to be the image of Christ in the earth. Jesus was the physical image of God in the earth we looked at last week, and then his, his body remained on the earth even though the head ascended to the throne. I know that this is, wow, like, you know, a little weird concept. The body's on the earth, the head's in heaven. But that's the reality, isn't it, Dan? The head of the body is on its throne. But thank God that the head is in the th on the throne, right? There's an old saying, too heavenly-minded, no earthly good. Well, actually, the body of Christ needs to be 100% earthly-minded to be earthly good. You have to be heavenly-minded to be earthly good, Period. There's no such thing as too heavenly-minded. We need to be heavenly-directed. We need the Lord to be directing us and to be leading his body. But listen, his body stayed, even though we saw a body, right? The disciples watched, and the angel said, why are you gazing up? He's given you a job to do. I know that's my own words, but you can see that in Acts 1. He gave you a job to do. Now go and do it and wait for the Holy Spirit. He'll give you the anointing that Jesus had, and then they come out in Acts chapter 2, and, and they're off. Here's the book of Acts, and here's all the gospel, I mean, all the remaining books of the New Testament after the gospels. So I see a picture when I look at the word that Jesus transferred his ministry into you and I. There is no such thing as my ministry and your ministry and this church and that church. That's just man. That's just our way of just dividing, just like the devil's always done. We divide and break apart everything, 
and we're, we're letting the enemy do that through us. We need to see us all as a unified body of Christ. It's his ministry. It is his ministry. And greater than that, you need to see yourself. If you think the world needs to see Christ through me, they're not going to see Christ unless I show them the responsibility begins to increase, doesn't it? Who got saved because you saw Jesus in the clouds? Anybody in this room? Anybody listening in the podcast? You got saved because Jesus was seen in somebody else. That's the truth. Or seen in, in many people. Maybe you heard, heard words. You heard it spoken. Sure, God then can give you, he can give you dreams. He can give you visions. There are all kinds of things that then can, uh, can reinforce you know, life experiences, there are things that will reinforce the things you've been hearing, but somebody presented the words which had power to you, and somebody's life presented Christ to you, and you said there's something about that person, there's something about that preacher, there's something about the words he's saying today, and I need what they are offering. And you may not even have understood it, but then a craving began to grow more and more, and then you, know, you knew that you knew, that I need this Jesus, and then one day you don't even know how it happens, but then you just know him. Amen. And that is meant to continue on and continue on and continue on. We are not meant to have Christianity as an accessory to yourself, and that's what it's become. Christianity is an accessory. It's something, it's a tool. It's something to make my life better. It's something that I can use for my advantage. Even the church could become a place where I can feel good. I know that you should feel good when you're around believers, but it doesn't mean that everything's always going to feel good because maybe you need some correction. But it can become a place, right, and this is what's kind of happened. We need to make people feel comfortable when they come in the door every single time, no matter what. And that's really not the gospel. Jesus made people feel uncomfortable everywhere he went. They were uncomfortable, though, only for a season because then when they surrendered, they became comfortable in his presence. So we must be uncomfortable and realize there's things that are out of whack in my life. We, we must actually feel judged by believers. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. It doesn't mean we don't judge. Some people say, well, the Bible just says don't judge. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible is not for me to try to micromanage and be judging every little thing in your life, but you should feel judgment from other believers in your life. Now, listen, let me explain, please, what I mean by that. I'm not saying you feel like, man, they're judging this area, because that's what we do. That's not what I mean. I just mean, right, Rick, we've talked about this before. When Rick was wandering and he was on his way, he said he would come to church, but he felt judged. And I would tell him, but he didn't believe me, but he knows now. I said, that's not people, it's the Holy Spirit. God just uses people. That's what he does. He uses us. You saw, they, they, everything's just seemed perfect, and you knew your life wasn't perfect, even though they weren't perfect, were they? I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But there's gonna, you're going to feel something irritating on purpose. Now, you have two choices. They got offended at Jesus and crucified him. That's choice number one. The other choice, listen, is that they realized I'm a sinner. 
I've got issues. I've got stuff. And they can turn to Christ. So you see that it's natural that there's going to be anger and irritation, but that doesn't mean that we're not meant to judge. Now, I didn't plan on saying any of these things, but I know this is the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean you're, people are walking to the door and you're looking at them and judging the way they look. That's not what I'm saying. I just mean, I'm saying you're just going about your business. I'm not saying you're trying to judge. But unbelievers should feel something, right? They should feel uncomfortable in your presence. Not forever. You're not, listen, I, I'm in the, con, con, the contractor world. You know what people talk like around me? I don't judge them. I don't, I, they, when they're swearing, I don't judge them. I know they're the world. They don't know any better. But ultimately, around me, they should feel uncomfortable to do it. And we shouldn't be sorry for that either. When they say sorry, I don't say, no, no, it's okay. You don't have to. No, you can swear around me. I don't correct them when they do swear. But if they say sorry, I don't say, it's okay. You don't know. You can keep swearing. You get what I'm trying to say. Do you see what I'm do you see the point I'm making? Why do they say why do they suddenly go wait a second this person doesn't swear and they say sorry, right? Who's ever had this experience? Like this is a believer. Why do they say sorry? Because they feel uncomfortable. That's the way God designed it. What I'm trying to say is I'm just make, giving you guys some examples. Jesus is still on the earth. He's still moving and doing what he was doing when he was on the earth. He was making people uncomfortable, getting them to turn from their sin. Simultaneously, there was issues in them, and he had all the answers, all of the answers for them. And we see that he went to the cross, and it's like, okay, well, Jesus is gone, so now I have to try to be as close as I can to Christ and do my ministry, and you do your ministry, and we'll all do ministries, and we'll try to get people, convince people that Jesus is real. When instead, Jesus just went about the Father's business. Everything he was doing, he just went about. We must be just who God's called us to be. And it doesn't mean you're not even going to know that you're doing ministry. You just are. If you have to go into ministry, then maybe, wow, I'm going to dial back. I'm not going to say that. We're not meant to go into ministry. You just meant to be our. You just are. You are just Christ. And each person has different gifts and abilities. We know that, okay? And that way, there are differences, and it looks like we all have different ministries. But in fact, we don't. It's just that we all have different bends. We're all a little bit different. You're just meant to be who you are. And what I'm trying to, hopefully I'm making some sense here. Sometimes you're going to irritate people. Sometimes they're going to receive you. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're going to listen. Sometimes they don't. But you are meant to be a reflection of Christ in the world around you. And the Bible says here in Colossians 1, verse 13, that Jesus rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he transferred us, everybody say he transferred us, into the kingdom of his dear son. You have become part of a kingdom. You must realize that you didn't just get saved. Sometimes we need to go back to our lingo. It's fine. You can say the you can say the phrase saved. That's fine. But sometimes we need to go back to our lingo and we need to go back to the word and maybe bring some correction or fullness to the lingo. All right? The Bible doesn't just say 
just saved, as in one phrase, and that's it. I'm saved. Yes, we were, weren't we? Saved. Praise God. Who in here was saved by the blood of Jesus? But you aren't just saved. That's just, that's so short-handed, that's so short-sighted, it's really cheap. It's cheapened the gospel. You aren't just saved. You were transferred from one kingdom to another kingdom. You were taken, the grip of Satan was on your life, and whether you know it or not, he was using you like a little pawn, and he still tries to use us as Christians, doesn't he? Tries to use us like little pawns in his chess match against God which will fail, nonetheless, he's still trying and makes a big mess along the way, doesn't he? And God took you, took you, his, your power, and, and took you from one side of the chessboard and transferred you onto the other side, took you from darkness and put you into light, and now you work for him. You became now his kingdom. You became Christ in the earth. And I started to say last week, that sounds a little heretical. It's not heresy. I'm not saying that you are equal with God, and I'm not saying that you're anything without him, but Jesus was God's reflection on the earth, my Bible says. My Bible says that we are his ambassadors, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and an ambassador is a reflection of the nation and the king and the people all at once in one person reflects an entire nation, not doesn't represent a president. It represents who the president represents. It represents the kingdom. And so you, as an ambassador of Christ, you don't just represent Jesus as the man or Jesus, the son of God. You represent the whole kingdom of God. You are a reflection of Christ, which is a reflection of the kingdom of God on the earth. Jesus was God's. My Bible says it. So does yours. My Bible says that Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. And so you are meant to be the visible image of the invisible God. He's just as invisible today as he was when the scripture was penned out and just as visible, uh, invisible and visible so on today as it was 2,000 years ago. We are meant to be seen Literally, when they look at you, Matthew 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. Verse 16, let your good works or your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We're meant that the Lord works through us. We are the light. Jesus literally said, you are the light of the world. But Jesus said of himself, he said, I am the light of the world. But then he transferred his job to you because you are the continuation of Christ. You are my ambassador. You are light. You're not many lights. You're not a, if there was a God and then a God light, you're, you know, you got my play in words. You're not a God light, you know, like bud and bud light. You're not a light version of God. You are light. Well, that's quite a pun. That's quite a play on words. That'll mess with your head. You are the fullness. Jesus, the Bible says, is the completeness and the fullness. Who knows your scriptures? Come on, I'm, I got just, I'm just, I'm just giving you so much because I don't want to get us all bogged up here in, in so many references. I'm just preaching here. You are the fullness and completeness of Christ. You're not a mini version of Christ. You hear what I'm trying to say? Jesus was in a light version capital, lowercase l, of God the Father. He was the fullness of God the Father on the earth. Let's just look here. That's what it said. Let's look, and I'm going to prove it to you, what I'm trying to say here. The Bible says that 
uh, they had a, this encounter with Jesus, and they have a conversation with him, and they said to Jesus, they said, Jesus, just show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. I have so many notes here in John chapter 14. He says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is John 14, verse 6. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, before I get to verse 8, Jesus is making a picture that if you look at him, you see the Father. You get, what I'm, you get what the scripture is saying here, right? That's what he's saying. He said, if you had known me, you would know the Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Everybody say, they saw the Father. But the Bible, God the Father cannot be seen. So they did not see the Father in the natural. But Jesus said, you did see the Father because you saw me. Philip says, verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. I can hear the skeptics and unfortunately even some believers say, God is real or if Jesus wants to get my attention, then he can do it himself. Who's ever heard that? Who's ever heard the phrase, God's got my number? Right? They won't hear anything through anybody else because they say God's going to do it. Right? Philip said, Philip said, just show us the Father. And Jesus is saying, I'm standing right here. I'm the Son. I represent the Father. You looking at me, you're looking at the Father. Verse 9, Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show you? Why are you asking me to show him to you? Jesus said, you're looking at him. You're looking at me. He said, he says, verse 10, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is me, in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. This is a very, very interesting set of scriptures because it's exactly what is described in the believer. In the New Testament, post the cross, post the Holy Spirit believer is what? It's Jesus living in you speaking through you. And Jesus said, that's how I lived my life. And so we see that it's not just that you get saved and now it's a ticket to heaven. We know that in this church. We know that it's not just you now going out and trying to be like Christ and trying to live like him. But it's so much deeper. It means that I, I'm not in control of my life. Jesus said, you're looking at the Father by looking at me in the same way. That's why in Matthew 5, Jesus can say it. He said it ahead of the cross. He said it so confidently that they'll look at your good works, and who would they glorify? The same person that he's telling Philip here that should be glorified. Don't look at me. You're gonna, you look at me. It's not taking a, we're not taking Jesus away. We're not taking his authority away. But he was passing all there said, look through me and see the Father. He's saying, if you're seeing me, you're seeing him. And in the same way, the Lord is looking for the world to look through us. And in Matthew 5, 
glorify the Father. Verse 11, just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. The Bible says here, you, everybody say, I can ask for anything in Jesus' name, and he will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Wow. This is such a powerful set of scriptures, isn't it? Did Jesus argue with the devil? Never. Did he argue with the elements? Never. Jesus just spoke, and it was. Why? Because he had the authority of the Father in him. He had the Holy Spirit, and he wasn't doing. Listen, it's not that Jesus even had to say, is it okay that I say this right now, Father? It's just that Jesus didn't say anything outside of the will of the Father. We are supposed to have, this is so powerful. I began to just really meditate on this this week, like a lot. And I'm not going to debate today what the greater works are. People have gotten written whole books and gotten off on, on major, major uh, tangents on this greater works. What's very interesting, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after four days. What greater work is there to, than to raise someone from the dead? after four days. So the greater works must just be something outside of our understanding what he's saying. It's obviously not something that you, it's not just works, not just great works. I don't know, is there a greater miracle than raising someone from the dead? See, viewing it from a natural sense, yes. I mean, from a natural sense, no, but from a spiritual sense, he actually gave his disciples authority, listen, to give them post the cross, post the blood, post the Holy Spirit, a chance to not just come back to life on the earth, but to have eternal life. Wow. Did anybody ever see that when we're talking about greater works that we think it's just doing all these things? Look what I can do. Look at my power. Like we've got a magic wand in our finger. And yet what God is really saying here is that you're going to do something even greater than some basic temporary miracle. Yes, I've done many miracles on the earth, and they, they are great. They were great, but these are just for this earth. This, is, this place is going to pass away. I can heal someone from leprosy, and they can still, right? Only nine, nine went away. One came back and said, thank you. What, why is that so significant? Why is that so important? Why did Jesus have this debate with them and say, you didn't come looking for me in John 6 because you wanted to see me and want to know me. It's because you want to see me do more stuff. You want to see more miracles. Anyway, I don't want to get into a big debate, but I want you to see that Jesus did say that there is a greater work that we would do. There's an authority that he has given us, and he gave us his name. Everybody say, he gave me his name. Now, why, why I, I really made a big deal about I really wanted us to see that you're a continuation and not just your own ministry is sometimes people think that I have authority and I have his name and I can just do anything I want. 
There's all kinds of weird twistings that have come out of that. Name it and claim it was one of those that came out of that. I could just name and claim anything. Let me just, let me just ask you a question about his name. If you were to speak in the name of Jesus, Jesus said anything. Did he say anything? Anybody want to argue that he says anything? The word says anything. Ask anything in my name. But if I started praying, okay, Jesus, I pray in your name that you turn into Satan and Satan turn into Jesus. Not going to work, is it? Why? I use his name. See, it's not, just a, it's not a magic wand. It's not a magic tool. But why? Because that's anti-God. That's anti-the will of God. What about if I said, okay, Lord, I pray that this man becomes a woman and that woman becomes a man. Ugh, just touch the sensitive nerve in 2023. Is that going to work? You know that there's people that literally say that, you know, they say, well, uh, you know, they're, they, 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 they still are believers. They're still believers, even though they think they're a man and they're living their life as a man, but they were born a woman, but they're still believers. I know I'm touching a very sensitive nerve. But you can't just, can't just do anything and claim anything. Obviously, I'm bringing some extremes out on purpose. Why am I doing that? Because if I can just, just prove to you that obviously if there's, there are extremes that I can't do, then there must there is obviously a boundary within anything. I'm just establishing the fact that just because he said anything doesn't mean there's not a boundary. What is the boundary? It's very simple. Jesus just told us. Actually, the answer is within the very conversation that we get this from. Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me. Which means, and this is why it's so important, and I'm trying to bring some freedom here, bring some life to us here today. I, uh, I heard about a dream uh, a friend of mine had. It was so powerful. He, he said there were these two crowds. One crowd was yelling, God is sovereign, God is sovereign, God is sovereign. And the other side was saying, faith, faith, faith. And really, it's a picture. It was, it was because God is both, isn't he? We need to have faith, but God is also still God. Remember, Jesus said, I love this prayer because it frees us. Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, Father, if there's another way. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. He's got no problem raising from the dead. He slips through the crowd. It's not my time to die. They're going to push him off the cross. He just uh, off the cliff before the cross, and he just slips through the crowd. He heals everybody in this village and then heals only one because of lack of faith over here. So faith does matter. But it didn't limit who Jesus was. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And so God is still God at the end of the day. And so I want us to see today that you have been given his name as not a tool. Because I think that this is where the twist has come. It's not that I can just say the name of Jesus. You ready for this? My kids can say, I come in the name of Adam Bennett. Because they're my children. I've given them that right. I've given them that authority through by being my children. So can Dawn. Dawn can legally, actually, legally sign a document because we are legally one. She can sign my name as my spouse. Because we've become one. She's not doing her own thing. She's doing it as a representative of me. If I'm going to say his name then it's going to be according 
to his will. I want you to see today that you have become Christ in the earth, which Jesus was submitted to the Father and to the Father's will. In the same way, you are meant to go and to say what he said to say. You're meant to do what he said to do. Sometimes things are going to go away that you think they are, and sometimes they're not. Even Jesus, the Son of God, had that conversation with the Father. If there's another way, let this cup pass from me, but your will be done. It's such a powerful statement that he said to bring freedom and life to us as believers, because at times we, we think, oh, there's no power in his name. Come on, you don't need to throw out saying the name of Jesus just because the cross is still in front of you. This is so powerful. Who's getting some freedom here? You don't need to throw out the name of Jesus just because you haven't seen every miracle that you've wanted to when you prayed that name. In fact, I have a real-life story when I was a young man. I think I was like 20 years old. Uh, when I was a kid, there was a dealership owner up the street from me. He owned one of the local dealers. And so me being crafty or whatever I thought I was doing, I went to the salesman and I used the owner's name. And I said, well, so-and-so is my neighbor. And he said to me very bluntly, did he tell you to mention his name? And the answer was no. And guess what? Who didn't get a deal? I had zero authority in that situation because I wasn't given the authority. Now, I want you to look with me. We have a scriptural reference here in Acts chapter 19, verse 13. It says, a group, a, a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits, and they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their instruction, incantation, sorry, saying, uh, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. And seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus. And Jeannie's pointed out that the scripture really says, I'm getting to know Paul. But who are you? He said, I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who are you? Now, they're using the same name the same name of Jesus that Jesus said we could use. And yet, because they didn't know him, this is the thing. There is a knowing that we must have. There was a unity when Jesus spoke. He spoke in the power and in the authority of the kingdom of God and the Father. And listen, even though the demons believed, I mean, the demons trembled before him, not everyone believed. And even though he walked on the water, listen, Jesus, the Son of God, walked on the water, and yet they, the cross was still before him. Not every single person was forgiven. Not every single person repented. But Jesus' power was never limited. His name was never lowered. And so we must see, I want you to see something today. We must realize how powerful it is that you are on this earth as literally a representative of Christ, but we must just keep praying, keep believing, keep speaking, and then 
When all that's said and done, the Bible says, when you've done all to stand, then stand and realize that I'm not God. I'm just his ambassador, and I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep speaking. But if it ends with them putting me on a cross, it doesn't make me doubt everything that I've done so far. It doesn't make me doubt that this person's not getting healed, and this one did. I'm just a representative. I'm not God. I'm not the healer. I don't have the power. It's the authority of his name. That's the power because he's in me, not me. It says, The evil man leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. And it says the story, it went through the town and brought some fear to them. And it says, And the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. They realized that this is not a flippant thing, that, wow, it's not just a name, it's knowing him. It's knowing him. I want you to see today, because we're out of time, that we must know him. We're going to get into it next week of how he's given us everything we need. Everybody say he's given us everything we need for doing his will and his work. But I want you to, just wanted you to see today that the Lord came, hopefully it makes some sense of this, maybe something maybe you have to listen to again. There's a lot in there. But you are meant to carry on, not just in the name of Jesus, but you are meant to be. It's, a such, it's, such a fun, it's hard for your human brain to get. You are meant to be him. When the devil saw that there was not a unity, there is not a knowing, when he, point, when he could see this devil saw, you know, okay, I hear that name, and I know that name, but I don't know you. Why does it matter that he didn't know them? We must, even the enemy, must look through us and see Christ. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? It's not just the world. Even the devil shouldn't see you. Even the devil should say, I know that Paul knows Jesus, so I can't touch him. And yet he was still chained. Wow. The devil says, I know Paul. These guys were battered and bruised and beaten, but... But Paul was chained. How many people would judge Paul and say Paul had no faith and no authority? Paul didn't understand his authority, couldn't even get himself out of prison. Couldn't even, he prayed other people out of prison, couldn't pray himself out of chains. And what I'm trying to get us to see is that Jesus was submitted to the plan of God, which is so much more powerful than us just going around and speaking a name. And representing a name. And this is what I'm trying to say. People just say, I'm a Christian. They're just throwing out, it's literally worthless. It doesn't mean anything. Do you realize what you get? Hopefully I'm making a clear picture here today. It doesn't mean anything to just say, this is what I am. Who cares that you say I am? Well, I use the name of Jesus. Well, that apparently doesn't matter either. Do you know him? And if you know him, the world's going to see, that doesn't mean everybody's going to believe you, but you're going to start, you will see miracles. You are going to see, you may not see every healing, and you may not see every salvation, but you will have a path of miracles. Who can attest, right? We're trying to judge every little thing. We think that, we just think we're going to like pave a yellow brick road everywhere we go, and that's not what Jesus did. That's not what he did either. His life probably looks like utter chaos, in fact, probably was like, man, that's why they said to him, you've got a devil. They even accused Jesus of having a devil. And yet Jesus walked in the authority of the Father, 
everywhere he went. And so I want us to see, it doesn't matter where this path takes you. You just need, this is what I've been trying to get to these last weeks, is you just need to be the person that God's called you to be. You just need to stand and represent him in whatever that means and looks like. And that means that when you come along a brother, when somebody's in need, you give them what you can. You give them everything you have. You're going to stand and you're going to say, I'm going to pray and believe with you. But we're going to trust God regardless. Amen? All right, there's, a, there's like a commercial break sermon here. As I always say, I got a commercial break. This is like a lot of things, a lot of different little points, but it is all this, this one thing, that it is not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. We must get this. It's a big difference than just being a Christian as Christ living in. Christ in, not a Christian like a label. Christ in. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this word, and I just thank you, Lord, that it is living it's alive. I thank you, Lord. It's not the words coming out of my mouth, but it is the capital W, Lord. It is the word of God within these words. Thank you, Lord, that there is life in them. And I praise you, Lord, that you are building this church. You are building this body. You're bringing us, Lord, into, Lord, our, the future, this plan and purpose that you have for us. You are doing it. You're leading it. Our steps are ordered by you, Lord. We are submitted to you. And, Lord, we're just going to be your ambassadors, your representatives. We're not going to try to understand it all or micromanage you, God. We're just going to be light. That's what you called us to be. And, Lord, we're going to leave this earth, Lord, unassuming. Nobody's, nothing. Lord, they're not even going to remember our names. But I thank you, Lord. There's going to be a path that we've left behind of believer here, believer there, this family, that family, this one. And thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.